Hello and welcome everyone to an all new episode of The Comic Multiverse, where the worlds of nerd meet. As always, I am your host, Joel, who is shattering it this week for some reason. I don't know why, it's as if I want to spice up these intros, but I'm not sure how. Just talk like a robot. Just do like what you're doing. No, see, if I talk like a robot, people will be like, oh man, their Skype was fucking up. Look, if I want to talk like a robot, that can happen. <laughs> and it kills me every time the chat robots out. And uh, of course, that voice you can hear supporting me and laughing at me at the same time is Matt, everyone. Hello, everyone. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to be in for a good show this week. We've got a nice little sampling of news topics to talk about, more than I thought we'd be able to get at this time of year. And then we're going to close it off by talking about The Defenders, that show I'm sure everyone is super excited about. This will be coming out Wednesday, so I feel most people will have had it watched by then. Uh, judging by the numbers on my review, I'm going to say most people have watched it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's always the thing with these uh, new Netflix shows where it's like, oh, should you do a video of each episode individually or should you review it all together as one? I know IGN and all the other websites have been putting theirs out at like little spurts at a time. Yeah, well, they, they put them out in video and uh, like article form so they get like double the revenue. Oh, shit. Well, good for them then. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, on that note, everyone, I figure we can just hop on into the news this week. Uh, hey, you see that Black Lightning show coming to CW, Matt? I did. Well, hey, just in time. Funny funny how this keeps happening. Just in time for the release of that show, we're going to be getting a brand new Black Lightning comic miniseries called uh, Cold Dead Hands from Tony Isabella. We are, and by the sounds of it, it, it sounds a lot like the TV show. It's basically just the show, which is itself basically just the Black Lightning story that everyone knows. Dude's a teacher, dude's a superhero, dude fights the 100 gang and Tobias Whale. Yeah. Which, hey, I'm fine by that. I like they've given him back his old costume, too. They uh, New 52 had him in something kind of different looking, and he has his old haircut back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't can't mess around with that. I imagine this one might actually do pretty good. I've always felt Black Lightning is something of an untapped resource in the uh, DC uh, canon of characters. Yeah, it's really interesting what they've been doing with like these type of characters, these kind of like characters people know but haven't really been around for a few years. They've all been giving them like mini series yeah. and everything. I guess maybe just to feel out if there's any actual popularity with them still. Yeah, and then in reintroduce them into the new canon. I guess. Yeah, they're uh, they're doing a damn good job. I must say, uh, their mini series game is on point. Mm-hmm. It is. To put it that way, I'll, I'll definitely be checking this one out. I think uh, I, I think this one will be just the right mix of what I'm looking for. And you know what? DC had a bunch of new miniseries uh, that they were announcing because we got another one, The Demon, Hell on Earth from Andrew Constant. Yeah, an Extragan series. It's about damn time, isn't it? Especially because you and I have complained for so long saying, hey, when the hell is DC going to get their magical universe in line? Yeah, and it seems to be doing it, especially after this week in comics as well. Mm. Now, the pitch for this one was actually really interesting. Have you seen the pitch for this new demon series they're saying? I have. They're, they're like like Jason Blood and Etrigan are kind of, from what I understood, kind of like split or something. And there's like some big bomb blast in California or something that awakens hell. 
Yeah, or something. Yeah, it, like literally, hell starts cracking up through the earth while Jason Blood is trying to live out silently in like Death Valley in the middle of the desert. All I could think was like, oh, so it's old man Jason Blood is what you're <laughs> yeah, 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 that old man Logan-ing it. <laughs> Which is fine. That's a fine way to take your character. He needs to come back for one last ride. Yeah. I am I am totally okay with this. I am all about the demon. I am all about Etrigan. The big question is, will it be rhyming Etrigan or not rhyming Etrigan? Oh, I hope it's rhyming Etrigan. If it's rhyming Etrigan, you know, you know the story's going to be good because the, they put that much effort into the rhyming. You, you wonder why you don't see Etrigan all that often in other stuff? That's why, because making him rhyme would be a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Not every writer is cut out for that. I can't blame them. It's basically like, okay, now write this story with one hand tied behind your back and a rhyming <laughs> dictionary in the other hand. Uh continuing on from there uh hey metal was a big deal this week wasn't it matt it was we got all these different little tie-in issues coming out we got the main book we got uh a bunch of special one shots but guess what now we're actually going to be getting a crossover within the event itself yeah we're getting a crossover in a crossover a crossover in an event that are made up of a bunch of tie-ins, and that storyline is going to be called Bats Out of Hell, because clearly Snyder and Capullo are huge Meatloaf fans, much like myself. Mm-hmm. And like a bat out of hell, that story is going to be running through the pages of The Flash, number 33, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps, number 33, and Justice League, number 33. Yeah, and it's about what it seems to be about the Justice League versing these Dark Knights. Yeah, I mean, sounds about right, right? Yeah. The, the the interesting thing is, no, no Superman. No, no Superman. Well, because I can only imagine Superman will probably be dealing with Mr. Oz at this time. Maybe, but he, he's been involved in, in metal, so it, oh, I I, I, it, whether they they just, like, just get rid of him or something happens or something, it'd be very interesting to find out. It is kind of funny how they do this up, because it's like, you know, hey... Batman and Detective Comics don't have a stake in this either, even though Batman is a huge part of metal. Mm. It seems like Detective Comics is going to be around this time, like, oh, the search for Tim Drake, gotta find Tim Drake. And Superman's like, oh, Mr. Oz, gotta fight Mr. Oz. It's funny how they, like, put these events in a hierarchy where it's like, no, 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 these are so important, they need to handle these in their own book, but metal is so important, it's going to be running through multiple books. Yeah, same with um JLA. Uh, Why isn't it running through that? Interesting. Uh, is, is there an important story going on in JLA at this point that they really need to tell that's more important than getting a uh, Well, at the moment, they've they've just found Ray Palmer. Well, there you go. Which itself but I don't, is... I don't think that story is going to be very long. I think it's like a three-part story. Hmm, interesting. I guess we'll find out as we get closer to it. But yeah... That's cool. I don't know if I'm going to pick up any of these tie-ins, because, like, they're not part of any books I'm reading at the moment. Well, I, I'm reading these books, so I probably will. And I saw some of the art from them, and it looks really cool. It does look really cool. I mean, if it's a completionist thing where it's like, no, 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 you need to see Bats out of Hell, this is going to be really important. But, yeah, I mean, definitely keep tuned for that as we continue to talk about metal in fact even though we're going to be devoting the tail end of the show to defenders there's a piece of news we got to talk about later where i'm sure we're going to mention metal anyway mm -hmm. so continuing on this magic trend too and continuing on this new book dc trend zatanna is getting her own new series now possibly a mini possibly more and guess what it's called matt 
It's called Mystic U. Mystic U. What a blast from the past. Remember Mystic U when they first announced it back during DCU that that was going to be a thing? Yeah, and it never happened. Until now. <laughs> back from the motherfucking grave. I imagine there's like a comic book graveyard in the DC offices and this one just clawed its way out. <laughs> I'm back and better than ever. <laughs> But yeah, this this is actually kind of an interesting pitch. It's basically Zatanna by way of Harry Potter. It's her and the children of a bunch of other important magical characters going to a magical school. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's her. It's uh, Sebastian Force, the the son of Felix Force, uh, Enchantress. I believe I don't know whether it's the actual Enchantress or the daughter of Enchantress or something. I guess we'll and then like. Out. A bunch of them basically going to Xavier's school for witchcraft and wizardry. <laughs> this is such a no-brainer of an idea. I'm shocked it took them this long to put this together. I know, right? And I mean, it clearly floated around the offices for a bit, but they're like, no, no, DCU is not the time for Harry Potter DC Universe. But soon, though, one day when people are ready. <laughs> I, I think that Dark Universe thing fell apart, and then they're like, no, no more magic now. Yeah, yeah. They got scared about it, but then they're like, you know what, it's fine now, we're over it, maybe magic can come back again, and we've got quite a few magic-based books now. Yeah, they're starting to come back. They certainly are. Here's a question, though, from the art we've seen of Zatanna, uh, Mystic U, clearly this is her when she's a lot younger, right, but she still wears the classic costume with, you know, the top hat and the fishnets and everything. Um... A question that might become important to certain fans. Um, how old is she? Yeah, she she doesn't look like she'd be, you know, a teacher or anything. She just she looks like a student. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mentioned that because I'm sure some people are like, wait, wait, wait. Is my infatu infatuation with Zatan and her fishnets? Will that be creepy in this story? <laughs> will, will I have the bad feels reading this? You might. DC, hey, get, get on that and give everyone an answer, please. <laughs> look, look, I don't want to be reading Mystic U if I'm going to be feeling creepy, all right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on from the realm of comics to the realm of television. Uh, if you did watch all that, Defenders, you got an extra little treat this week because they dropped a tiny little teaser trailer for The Punisher on Netflix. Yeah, it was in the after credits yes. of the final episode of Defenders, and it's pretty good. Not a not a bad place to put it. I like even the uh, Netflix shows now have post credits and shit. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's if you watch the trailer, Frank Castle is doing his best John Wick impression because he's just in a cellar bashing the floor with a hammer. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is that about? What's 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 he doing? <laughs> oh, he's making his logo. That's why. Okay, I get it. Yeah, he does that at every every one of his like crime scenes that he goes to. He spends like an hour doing that. That seems time consuming, but I'm not going to tell the Punisher what and what not to do. <laughs> we do get some interesting little flashes here. Obviously, they don't tell us much of what the story is going to be, but they seem to say that we're going to be seeing some flashbacks to Frank's time in the army, see what kind of forged him into the guy that he is. And he seems to tell us that, you know, the most interesting stuff he did didn't actually happen when he was in the army, like literally. Literally, like there was stuff going on at every point in his life. Yeah, well, I think it's probably going to be following on that story that we saw in Daredevil season two, where he yeah. was involved in some type of like like 
special ops mission or something, and I imagine we'll be going into that. Like real, like real dark off the book shit. I I joked, and you and I both joked at the time. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if Frank Castle was part of SEAL Team Six? <laughs> <laughs> what if he was one of the guys who got Osama and as we sit here and watch the trailer um maybe <laughs> maybe he actually was or something similar whatever the Marvel equivalent of SEAL Team 6 is <laughs> I mean I, I, I'm super excited for the Punisher thing I mean Bernthal just fucking kills and it's clear that the writers really dig writing for him and that he is just uniquely perfect for Netflix yeah, oh yeah, God yeah, he's perfect for the series, and the good thing is as well, Bernthal said that they haven't watered down the character at all, this isn't someone you're going to be like cheering for, this is someone you're going to be saying he needs to be locked up. As you should, that's the great part mm -hmm. about, you know, Marvel anti-heroes in particular, the Punisher, where it's like, you know, wow, that guy's cool until you see him do something horrifying, and you're like, oh, Oh, that's right. I'm not supposed to like you. Oh, yeah, you're you're cool, but d d don't stand too close to me. Yep. Just keep doing your thing over there, so I don't gotta deal with you. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's some cool shit. Uh, moving over to Marvel, we talked about uh, all those special one shots they had coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now we actually have a couple of the creative teams, and I gotta say they've wrangled some pretty interesting folks to write a few of these one-shots. Uh, Devin Grayson is making a huge return to comics to write that Power Pack one-shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, wrestler-turned-crappy MMA fighter-turned-pretty-okay comic writer CM Punk is gonna be writing the Shang-Chi one-shot. That, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm interested in that. I mean, hopefully it does go better than his MMA run where, you know, he starts writing Shang-Chi but then gets knocked out after eight seconds. <laughs> the book knocks him out. He starts writing it but then another comic book writer comes on in and just tackles him <laughs> to the floor. Bendis. Oh, God, yeah. Bendis does a run-in on poor This Skimbo. is my book. <laughs> it's my book now. I got to write about it. And he's just <laughs> down. And then later you hear guys like us on podcasts being like, sure, he got taken down, but he did everything you were supposed to do. He protected himself. He protected the book. You can't fault him for it. <laughs> and before people are like, hey, hey, even before he started doing MMA, he wrote that Drax series. I know, but I've been sitting on that joke since then. <laughs> It doesn't make 100% sense, but I was sitting on it, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the fact that they're getting such cool creative writers for these legacy one-shots uh, makes me want to read them even more. Yeah, yeah. Now that I know they're not just throwing anybody's on them, they're actually throwing some people with some name cachet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of people with name cachet, uh, they announced Tim Seeley's new project over at Vertigo, of all places. Yes, Vertigo is apparently still around. They may only publish about three books, but they got a new one coming down the pipeline. It's called Imaginary Friends, and it looks to be a creepy-ass horror thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm all for horror, especially written by Tim Seeley. It's nice to see him make a return to horror. People forget he cut his teeth in Hack Slash, and to see him given the reins of a Vertigo book, that's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. I'm all about that. And speaking of Vertigo, Vertigo had a goddamn good week this week. They did. They had the announcement of this story, and then they had a little fellow show up at the end of Metal that you may have heard of once or twice. Yeah, just just someone you know you might 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 not have heard of. Not very a big character, you know. You know, not a big character over there. It's not like he was created by Neil Gaiman or anything. No, it was the frickin' <laughs> the frickin' Sandman showed up in goddamn uh, metal. 
Yeah, of all characters. Of all characters, which again, it's like, man, this is freaking huge now if Dream of the Endless had to show up to tell Batman what to do. Yep. And it wasn't just any version of Dream either. That was Daniel Hall. Mm-hmm. Not, mm-hmm. not Morpheus, but the guy who came after Morpheus, the dude who is actually the grandson of Carter and Shaira Hall. Yes, yeah, so, so it's all related. <laughs> it's all re- Man, friggin' Scott Snyder, hats off to that dude for just working his continuity wizardry. I imagine he has, like, a springboard at home with a bunch of, like, strings on it and everything. <laughs> it, it looks like a madman's office where it's like, and this character's connected to this character, and I can bring them back here. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come on, frickin' Red Tornado came back in metal. Yeah. Kendra Saunders. Kendra That... I, I had to, like, give him a round of applause for that one, because, again, ever since Earth 2, you and I have been asking, well, where the hell is the main universe, Hawkwoman? Are we just never going to see her? Do we have to wait for Earth 2 Hawkwoman to cross over? And the answer Scott Snyder gave was, nah, she was here all along. She was just Lady Blackhawk. Yeah, what the... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, what a goddamn reveal, am I right? Yeah, goddamn... To think that both Hawk people are being paid such credit in metal where they're like, nah, they were actually having this awesome shadow war you never saw. Yeah, they're making them a big deal. They're making them a huge deal. The hugest deals. Mm-hmm. And then they're sure to also, you know, get people ready for those Dark Universe books they're working on because they're also like, oh, yeah, and here's the Challengers of the Unknown, that new team book that uh, Scott Snyder's going to be writing in the mm-hmm. Dark Universe imprint. Yeah, they were sure to tease that. Yeah, even the Blackhawks are cooler now than they've ever been. Like, I would read another Blackhawks book now. Yeah, yeah. If it could be the Blackhawks team from Metal. Mm-hmm. I would be all about that shit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, any other thoughts on Metal? We're going to devote the latter half of the show to talking about Defenders, but that was definitely the big book that came out this week. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. It's such, it's such a jam-packed book. Like, it, it, I said in my review, it, it, it gives Secret Empire a run for its money with how much story it can pack into, you know, 30 pages. It's true. And much like Secret Empire, you can tell it's like, oh, oh, Snyder has been writing this for a long time in his head, hasn't he? Mm-hmm. He's been refining it for a while. <laughs> and that it references everything he's ever done and also, like, a million other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, hey, everyone, here's, like, the Bat Demon from, like, um, Milligan and Grant Morrison's work. Mm-hmm. And here's, like, here's the actual map from frickin' uh, Multiversity. Yeah, that goddamn Multiversity map. I-, I would love somewhere Grant Morrison's like, hey, they stole my map. <laughs> I was looking for that. Where'd it go? <laughs> Give me back my map. Because that's what he sounds like. Now, I wonder as well, since they were involving him and everything, I wonder if they'll involve Justice League Incarnate, since this is sort of their deal, dealing with, like, multiversal, like... Threats. Uh, threats and everything. I mean, shit, if they frickin' brought in Dream of the Endless, they could literally bring in anybody and everybody now. Yep. The, yep. the fact that they brought in a Neil Gaiman character, too, uh, further proves what we've been saying, Matt, and that is that ever since Jeff Johns took over the reins of the DC Comics company, he has been repairing bridges with so many creators that they formerly pissed off. Yeah, yeah, he's going about it really well as well. Like, I mean, it's not like uh, Gaiman's going to come in and write a new book for them, but he could. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, as you say, they've just been slowly repairing, like, these bridges. Mm-hmm. 
Like, again, imagine a couple year game and sitting there. It's like, oh, people really liked seeing Dream, huh? In a, in the back in the main universe. Oh, they really liked it. Hmm, what's happening in the DC universe now? Oh, I like this. I like this. Maybe I should write something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll write another Batman book. <laughs> yeah, Gaiman being like, hey, you know, Jeff, I've had this killer Batman pitch I've been sitting on, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to use it, but do you want to hear it? And Johns would be like, yes, a million times yes. <laughs> yeah, Johns would just give him the book. <laughs> yeah, please. It's like, you can write this now. Can you start tomorrow? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a friggin' golden time for DC Creative right now, isn't it? It is. And all it took was putting a super creative guy at the helm. Mm-hmm. And uh, from one creative guy to another, here's a bit of movie news that you and I can discuss. I imagine you'll have a lot to say on this one, too. Joss Whedon rumored to make the ending, uh, make some major ending changes to the Justice League film. Yeah, so, like, we've known for a while that obviously it was going to involve uh, Darkseid and everything. They are basically going to ape the Avengers mm-hmm. with it. Dark side would show up at the end, but apparently that's not happening now. Apparently they've like with these reshoots, they've completely reworked the movie so that Stephen Wolf is just like the main bad guy. That could be good, but it's also like really you're gonna pin this whole thing on Stephen Wolf. All right, <laughs> yeah, this character no one really cares about or really knows. The dude who's just like you know a C-list player of a bigger villain's team. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, okay. So, like, I'll give it to you. It'd be like if the Avengers fought Ebony Maw is what it would be like. If, like, for the next Avengers movie, instead of fighting Thanos, they just fight one of Thanos' guys. Yeah, one of his henchmen. Yeah, just, like, no offense to the henchmen. They're fine henchmen. They're top-tier henchmen. They are, like, the Cadillac of henchmen. But at the same time, they're still henchmen. <laughs> All of the Justice League comes together just to battle a single henchman. <laughs> but I mean, hey, that's me talking as a comic fan. Fucking Joe and Jane Popcorn have no goddamn clue who any of these people are, so it's fine. Yeah, they'll probably think that he actually is Darkseid. <laughs> yeah, why do they keep calling Darkseid Steppenwolf? I don't understand. <laughs> Wait, does this tie into that Spider-Man movie we saw? When's Spider-Man gonna show up? <laughs> yeah, is this the Sinister Six? <laughs> yeah, yes, 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 yes. This is the Sinister Shit. Just fucking shut up so I can watch the movie, please, guy behind me. <laughs> We've all been there. People in our movie theater saying things that hurt your soul as a nerd. Yep. yep. Like you just want to fucking fly across the room. I got you. I'm pretty sure when I left uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, there was like two two edgy teen boys in front of me who were like, yeah, it's still not as good as any of the DC movies. Gah! Oh, <laughs> which which ones? Be specific. Now they were, they were talking about like the Christopher Reeve Superman films and the the Burton Batman films. Oh, okay, that's fine then. I'm I'm, I'm all right with that. Yeah, that'd be funny. Like I get mad at them and they actually have very intelligent conversation. What's like? No, we're just saying. You know, it's not as good as these. Ones. Oh, well, well, well those yeah. are classics. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But if, but if they did say it's like, oh, it's not as good as you know Steel, yeah, or it's not as good as Greenland shit. If they said Steel or like the made-for-TV Justice League movie, I'd be like, you know, I have no comeback for that. I'm sorry. I will leave you alone now. <laughs> yeah, man, it's not as good as... Or even if they said something like I wasn't expecting, like, hey, no, it's not as good as the DC animated films, the early ones. It, all right. <laughs> all right, I will, I will allow that. Those are, those are genuinely good films. <laughs> oh, hey, speaking of DC animated films, I didn't put this on the docket, but fuck it, let's talk about it anyway. Uh, we saw the Batman Harley Quinn movie this week, didn't we? 
Yeah. What'd you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was pretty crap. Yeah. I mean, this. I, I think someone on Twitter, I'll have to quote them because they said it better than I ever could. The Harley Quinn Batman movie is the ultimate in the Deadpoolification of Harley Quinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it yep. is. You're, you're not really watching Batman and Harley Quinn. You're watching Batman and Deadpool is what it is. Pretty much. She is the embodiment of lol random. Oh, God, especially in this one. Which, it's extra jarring because the movie which had really caught my eye because they're like, hey, we got Conroy back. We got the original Nightwing back, Lauren Lester, and we're doing the Batman the Animated Series art style. I'm like, whoa, I'm fucking sold. It's even more jarring to have Deadpool-esque Harley when they're doing, like, the old-school Batman animation. Yeah, it's so weird. The voice they got, that's that girl from The Big Bang Theory, too, right? Yeah, Melissa Ranch. Right, which, that's not a put-on. That's, like, that's actually how she sounds. Yeah, well, the thing is, she sounds like Tara Strong doing a bad... Harley Quinn impression. Which is weird, isn't it? Where it's like, so you, so you know, like, Tara Strong and Arlene Sorkin do all this work to put the Harley Quinn voice and to make it sound authentic and everything. They actually got someone who just sounds like that, and it doesn't sound as good as the other two actresses doing a put-on. Yeah, I know, it sounds so weird. It is really weird, isn't it? Also, too, here's the thing. The movie looks a lot cheaper than some of the better episodes of Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, there, there was something, I was like watching it, and I'm like, there's something not right about this. Like, I, I, I thought it might have had to have done with, like, obviously the animated series wasn't in high definition, and I thought maybe that might have been it. Like, the art style didn't translate all that well in, you know, crisp 1080p or anything. Yeah. They also... But yeah, there was something off with it. They also break some rules from the production Bible, and I know this because I have the Batman the Animated Series art book that actually has, like, a bunch of the original sketches and pencil tests and, like, stuff that you're never supposed to do. They film mm -hmm. Batman in angles in this movie where you're never supposed to film that Batman. They film him, like, under, like, shooting up at him while he's driving, and he has, like, the most ridiculous square jaw. <laughs> and like a nose that makes no sense in the mask and I'm like mm -mm, you're not supposed to do that <laughs> you are actively not supposed to. and again I'm like well you know who who made this movie I'm sure they didn't know that that when you know you're drawing in this art style you're not supposed to do that oh oh Bruce Tim produced this really yeah that, that, that kind of threw me off I'm like wow Bruce Bruce Tim okayed all of this? Bruce Tim okayed those fart jokes? Yeah, he okayed a lot of this. Here's here's the thing, man. I think as Bruce Tim gets older, I think he's starting to lose it a little bit. I, I, I said that in my review, I said, I think he's starting to sort of lose his grip on what, what made these characters really great. Also, too, it's not Deanie and Tim together. I think they balanced each other's out when it came to their worser habits. Mm-hmm. Because there's, like, the whole scene there where, you know, they're trying to, like, make an emotional through line for Harley for the movie. And that is, you know, people uh, people never take me for me. They always think of me as, like, the Joker's girlfriend. Or, you know, they think of me as a criminal. Or they think of me as a whore, which they said. To which I'm like, okay, that's, that's a fair enough emotional through line. They want to prove people wrong. They then do a loving shot of her ass as she bends over and then she bangs Nightwing for no reason. And I'm like, okay, this feels schizophrenic now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of all over the place. Uh, speaking of that butt shot, too, a bunch of animators I follow on YouTube actually dissected that butt shot and said, okay, so if you see here, there's actually two cracks going on here, one at the top and one <laughs> along the seam, so they couldn't even do a tantalating butt shot right. 
And again, I had to actually look at it. I'm like, oh my god, they're right. <laughs> uh, one thing, though, that I say I will like about this movie, and in fact, I've gone back and watched it several times just because it spoke to me on such a level. Uh, there's a bit where they go to, like, a henchman karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rob Paulson sings Don't uh, Pull Your Love Out On Me Baby, and it's actually amazing. Yeah, I... I, I... I, I liked it, but it just felt so weird in in the context of everything. Like, oh, it the, becomes the, the a movie totally just, different movie. The movie just stops for these two musical acts. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it stops for about like five to ten minutes, so they can do these two musical numbers. Because then Harley sings uh, "Telephone" by Blondie, which yes, I know "Telephone" wasn't originally a Blondie song, but that's the version they're aping off of. So sue me, I know my music. <laughs> but here's the thing that really got me about that uh, scene. So, like, Paulson sings his heart out. Did you know he was diagnosed with cancer at that time? Really? Yes, he was diagnosed with cancer, like, last year. He's gotten a clean prognosis now, and he's in the clear. But, yeah, he sang that song so upbeat and so good when he thought he was dying. Maybe he felt like, oh, this is probably going to be my last time I'll be able to do this. I'm going to knock it out the park. Yeah, damn. And also, animation joke-wise... Every henchman in that bar was from an episode of Batman the Animated Series. That's cool. Paulson was the two twins who were the twin henchmen from Two-Face in the Two-Face two-parter. Then you see, like, the Doctor Woman from Heart of Steel. You see Captain Clown from uh, the Joker episode. Uh, even even Ubu, uh, Rachel Ghoul's dude, is in the bar. Mm-hmm. Everybody is there, and uh, Batman gets into a fight with, like, three henchmen in tiger suits, and I didn't get that one at first. I'm like, wait, what episode of Batman the Animated Series are they from? They're not from an episode of the Batman Animated Series. They were, like, Eartha Kitt's ha uh, Catwoman henchmen from the 60s Batman show. No, oh, Jesus. So they fucking deep-dived on that one, and I'm like, you know what? The rest of the movie, kind of unimpressive. This scene, kind of amazing. I will go back and rewatch this scene. They they even deep dived on like the like the main villains. They had like Floronic Man as a main villain. Yeah, yeah, freaking Floronic Man of all things. Which hell, it, an another problem with this movie is that the general plot of like Batman needs Harley's help to defeat someone feels a lot like a the episode of Batman the animated series Harlequin Aid. Only when they were trying to stop a Joker with a nuke follows basically the same plot and even an episode of justice league action they did just recently where poison ivy takes over swamp thing to try and take over the city yeah yeah i, I said in my review they've done they've done this sort of the same thing a couple of times but it's always been done semi-seriously yeah this this no, movie didn't no. know if it wanted to be a pure comedy or not yeah, it was kind of all over the place. It tries to have its cake and eat it, too. It tries to be a nostalgic love letter to Batman the Animated Series. It tries to be more of a comedy than any of these other direct-to-DVD animated movies have been, which, hey, good on you. More of these should experiment with genre. But then it also tries to have a serious through-line of Harley Quinn finding some sort of redemption, and it doesn't really do any of those things. No. Which is a shame, because it's like, oh, if you just picked one of these ideas and ran with it, you would have been golden. Yeah. Because, like, you, you could tell at some point there was a more serious version of the script because we see, uh, what is it, uh, Poison Ivy is more or less getting into an abusive relationship with Floronic Man. In a better movie, Harley would have saved her friend from an abusive relationship, much like she got saved from her relationship with the Joker, but they don't do that. 
No, they don't do it. They they end the movie before like the main villains are even defeated. I know, which goes to show you how much they just like eh, whatever. And then the post credit scene is like a good five minute segment of like, and here's what a Harley Quinn would be like if she became a Doctor Oz style TV doctor. And I'm like, well, this is just like a whole other movie you have here. Yeah, some weird wipeout doctor thing. It was really weird. Yeah. Just kind of threw everything at the wall. Oh, well, the next one's Gotham by Gaslight, apparently. Yeah, so that one hopefully should be good. I mean, it's a short-ass book. They could basically do a straight-up adaptation of it and not have to invent anything new. Mm Mm-hmm. Which maybe that was when the movies were better, when they were just doing straight-up adaptations. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Which I hate to say that to creative people, where I'm like, look, just, just fucking do the book as it is on the page. Don't put any new Brian Azzarello shit of Batman and Batgirl <laughs> banging. Don't put any fart. Just do, just do the story, please. <laughs> is that too much to ask? <laughs> Apparently so. Uh, and where was I here on news topics? Uh, oh, uh, speaking of movies, again, I didn't write this one down either, but I figured this one's worth talking about because I know I have you here, Matt, and you'll probably feel pretty strongly about this. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is going to be getting his own Star Wars spin-off movie, much like Han. Yeah, and uh, I'm like the only person on the internet to go like, why? It's like, didn't he have enough movies? Wasn't he in a bunch of the Clone Wars? What What parts of his life have we not seen yet? that justifies a film. I'm kind of with you on this. Yeah, well, the, I think a lot of people don't realize that, that Star Wars adheres to a canon that they don't change at all. Like, they're pretty straight with it and everything. And all of his stories have taken place, yeah, in the three prequels, the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. uh, Rebels, I guess you could say, um, and the comics now. They, they just did, like a big story on him in the comics they went through all his journal and mm. it frankly it wasn't something that you'd want to see in a movie because it's not as though he was leaving Tatooine to go off on adventures and everything he was just sitting in his hut that's yeah. about all he did for like 19 years even even in rebels we see what was arguably his last fight and again there was maybe like three moves in the whole thing exactly they're not going to do like some big 2 hour action movie with him in it yeah Unless where it's just like it, it like it literally starts with him dropping off baby Luke and him just it's a whole movie of him just trying to build his hut out there in the desert. <laughs> He's got like a flat pack hut from like space IKEA. Yeah, it's just him putting together all of his furniture and it's really hard. <laughs> God, God damn it! I can never find the little screwdriver when I need one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but 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 if they end up making a movie, it's not going to be the movie everyone seems to want, which is Kenobi fighting Inquisitors on other planets or whatnot. Yeah, from what it's not going to be anything like that. From what it sounds like, he had a pretty boring life after he dropped Luke off. Yeah, he fought, like, Jabba's henchmen who were collecting water tax. That was, like, his big thing for 19 years. Which, hey, if you want to do that movie, if you want to do old man Obi-Wan being like, I just want to be left alone and watch this young boy grow up, but hut henchmen keep messing with me, if they want to tell that story... Yeah, yeah, that, that'd that be completely fine. I'd be completely fine with that. But like you said, it's not the movie everyone seems to think they want. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, uh, Obi-Wan clearly knows a lot about the Tusken Raiders. Maybe, you know, I don't know, he tries to bring the Force religion to the Tusken Raiders. He goes all missionary on them. That'd be pretty cool. Look, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I just want you to cover your nakedness and worship my Force God, okay? <laughs> Ooh, and then you can work in a guy, you can, you can, like, mess with the timeline, and you have a dude 
who is basically just Darth Crate, you can do that. Oh yeah, yeah, bring bring back Darth Crate because he was alive during the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, that's right, he was because yeah, that's he, he managed to stay old into the time of legacy. Yeah, have a young dude who's like Darth Crate and have him be like, yeah, I know I'm a sand person, but I think like you know the these Tusken Raiders are really lame and shit. Can you like teach me the Force? And he's like, okay, I'll teach you the Force. You're nice and Force sensitive. Oh, but you're evil though. Yeah, I'll just cut off your arm. Yeah, uh-oh. That's okay. I won't have to fight you later. I'll leave that for the next guy. <laughs> so yeah, that'd be nice. Just put a little legacy in there and just be like, God damn it, why is it every time we Jedi try and train someone, they always, you know, join the dark side? What's up with that? Is no is no one just a good Jedi anymore? <laughs> Fucking A, man. So that's that that's our pitch for an Obi-Wan movie, if you're listening, Disney, which we know you are. <laughs> that's how we would do it <laughs> uh, I guess our last story here before we hop into the Defenders portion of the show this this one's kind of interesting this is kind of all legal jargony but kind of fun at the same time uh, Robert, uh, Robert Kirkman and other Walking Dead producers are suing AMC for breach of contract right now oh fantastic I know right I know. It's like, hey, how do you think Walking Dead's going to end? Oh, I think Carl's going to do this. Well, you know, I think Rick's going to do this. Uh, you know how I think Walking Dead might end? With a lawsuit. <laughs> well, thank God, because the show's, like, like really crappy at the moment. They, uh, they, it's no, not about zombies or anything anymore. <laughs> I, I jumped off, like, halfway into season three and never looked back. I think it's actually one of the better decisions I've made. Yeah, well, AMC might play hardball and they're like, so? We, we have Preacher now. Yeah, we don't need you guys. You guys can fuck right off. It's it's funny because, you know, this this isn't the first time we've heard of AMC being dicks and breaching contracts and generally just fucking around creative people. Uh, Darabont, back in season one, I don't even know, did that lawsuit even get settled? Ah. <sighs> I, I don't know. I know they did fuck him over quite hard. Yeah, uh, Dar Frank Darabont we're talking about. Everyone was the original showrunner of Walking Dead in season one, a.k.a. the good season, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, uh, it, it's why season one is really, really good. Definitely the one I enjoyed the most. Apparently he worked really hard on that show, but apparently they kept cutting his budget, even though the show was doing, like, better and better going into season two, which was why we had the big, like, endless farm season that was, like, mm -hmm. the latter part of season two, and he just got so pissed he left, and actually a couple of the actors left with him, which is why, you know, uh, Johnny RV ended up dying. That guy. Yep. Yep. Because, you know, they were just be like, hey, if Darabont leaves, we leave. So already AMC had something that was good, but apparently wanted to fuck with it and, you know, squeeze every penny out of it that they could. Yeah, and it sucks when something like that happens. And, like, yeah, that's essentially what they're fighting about right now. And here's the other thing, too. Kirkman, whether you knew it or not, is a shrewd-ass litigator. And this is not his first time in court battling it out for shit he didn't like. <laughs> Darabont quite famously... or no, Sorry, not Darabont. Uh, Kirkman quite famously took uh, to task his co-artist and co-creator of The Walking Dead back in the day before he sold the show to AMC in the first place. Oh, so he knows what he's doing. He does know it. He basically ruined an entire friendship uh, over Walking Dead money because he knew what a big deal it was. <laughs> also, too, here's another thing about Kirkman. 
famous liar as well is another thing. Uh, the only reason he got The Walking Dead picked up as a comic, period, was because he lied to the higher-ups at Image by saying, oh yeah, yeah, you know, by the end of it you find out aliens are involved. Because the thing was, they didn't want to do a straight-up zombie book. No, no. But obviously by the time it happened, it was just so freaking huge at that point, uh, they really couldn't say boo about it. Yeah, I would have liked the I would have liked the like the alien aspect of it. It would have added a unique twist to it. Yeah, apparently they dropped some Easter eggs to aliens here and there later on. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, like I'm trying I'm trying to read the suit here, but basically it just comes down to I want more money. Where's my licensing fee money? Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing that actually makes this kind of scary and makes me think that yeah, this might actually kill The Walking Dead is apparently uh, what is it? Uh, Kirkman's own solo comic company has signed an exclusive deal with uh, what is it? Amazon, right now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that show's ending very soon then. <laughs> yeah, because it's like okay, and of course AMC was quick to go. No, 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 it's fine. It's totally fine. He can go do shows at AMC. You don't go. You don't got to worry about Walking Dead. It's fine. It's all in the contract. It's fine. And I'm like, why do you sound like the wife whose husband is cheating on her? And be like, no, 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 it's fine. We, me and Kirkman have an open relationship. It's fine. He can go fuck his zombies elsewhere. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. Like AMC was just in like pure damage control at that moment. Yeah. Yeah, that would be so funny if that's why the show died because of uh, litigation and because people not being able to play nice and not being able to get paid what they think they should be getting paid. Well, I know I'd be happy if the show died. It's well, it is kind of dead already. I mean, it was the height of zombie mania a few years ago, and now that has seceded. I think it's more or less the only big zombie thing that stuck around. Yeah, just about. But and the thing is, it's not even about zombies anymore. Yeah, I haven't watched it in forever, so I don't even know what it's about these days. Oh, uh, what's his name? The guy with the bat causing all sorts of havoc oh, and Negan. stuff. Yeah, and every now and then there'll be a zombie. <laughs> every now and then there'll be a zombie. Yeah, no, it's true though. It's true. Like every every few episodes, there will just be a couple of zombies, and like some episodes won't even feature zombies. Some will just be set in like a house or something. <laughs> Bunch well, of characters talking. Well, if it's true what they're saying about AMC slashing their budget as much, maybe they can only afford so many zombies a season. Yeah, probably. Which seems so weird. It's like, why would you take a show that's successful and cut its budget? That seems like so counterintuitive. I know, right? Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, that's the Kirkman thing, everyone. We'll definitely keep you up to date on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I suppose with that out of the way, we can hop in directly to our main meat of the show this week, which is, you know, talking about our feelings on Defenders, giving a little review. Once again, if you've seen the show, feel free to stick around. If not, we will be talking spoilers, so be sure to save this one and come back to it later. Although the fact that this show comes out on Wednesday makes me feel that everyone probably saw it already anyway. Matt, I'll let you go first. Mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, if if you're one of the people that listen to this show, you've no doubt seen my review on it. I know a lot, a lot, a lot of people did. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked the show. I, I thought it was really good. And I thought it was really well paced thanks to it being only eight episodes long. They yeah, it was nice. cut out... Cut out, cut, cut out all the fat and get rid of those episodes where the show kind of just stops That's to very talk nice. about 
some other character, and yeah, yeah. we got some good villains and everything. Yeah, an eight-episode runtime was definitely appreciated. I was able to binge it in, like, two days, uh, along with doing other shit, so that was basically, like, four episodes a day. I hope going forward they maybe take some cues from that and being like, hey, maybe they don't all need to be 12 to 13 episodes. Yeah. Because while I like all all the other uh, Marvel Netflix shows, well, except for maybe Iron Fist, I think we can agree there was some fat that could have been trimmed. Now, that being said, too, this show still had very much of a slow burn, did it not? They all didn't get together until, like, episode three. And I'm glad for that as well. And and saying, like, with Daredevil as well, like, we, we saw him in costume, like, twice. Yeah. And I, I really like that. I'm glad they didn't just, you know... Start of the first episode, they're all together somehow. I'm glad they sort of went back and they reminded everyone where each character is. Which was in cool. terms in terms of where they ended their first or second series. Which was definitely necessary. It reminded me very much of like uh, what is it? it? Reminded me like the first Avengers movie, where it's like, look, you'll definitely be rewarded if you watched all the other shows, but if you haven't, let's you know catch you up all the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, for for a lot of these characters, too, it's like, yeah, I want to know what's up with Daredevil. He's given up the mantle. Luke Cage is just getting out of jail. Danny is doing Danny stuff. Oh, we'll talk about him in a minute. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's 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 basically it. I, I will say, though, it is interesting that the first character we do catch up with is Danny Ran Iron Fist, which I guess makes sense because his show was last. Yeah, and... It also makes sense for the Defenders since he's a main plot point in the show. He is. See, I was not actually crazy on that. They more or less turned Danny into a MacGuffin, and I think that hurts what should be a team show because they they come right out of the gate and say Danny is more important than everyone else. Well, I, I, he, he kind of is because he's kind of related to the hand and everything, and that's what the show these shows were all about the hand and their sort of plans for everything but i i didn't mind it i think it was all, all right because it gave him a little bit more character development and uh sort of showcase how much he'd grown from his season to this did did he grow though matt because i felt my feeling was they're like oh crap we've already written him with season one in mind. We can't rewrite the whole thing because he's so integral to the plot and opening the door and everything. Let's just write in a bunch of jokes where every other hero shits on him. And they do. <laughs> oh my God, they shit on him so hard. It's awesome. Uh, the thing that I really liked is uh, by the end of season three, or by the end of episode three, we get the shot that I wanted so much. And that is Luke Cage and Iron Fist standing side by side. Yeah, their, their relationship through the whole series was great. They they do plant the seeds of Power Man and Iron Fist, and I like that. Luke kind of becomes, in many ways, his like uh, reluctant babysitter. They gotta watch him because Danny, who is still very much impulsive, dumbass, Danny is. I wanna go. I wanna go fight the hand right now because I'm important. And they're like, no, stay here, idiot. If they get you, it's game over. And like, okay, <laughs> Luke, you you watch him. And he's like, fine, I will watch him. <laughs> Can, I, can we talk about Scott Glenn, too, for a second? How great is Scott Glenn? Uh, I, I love Stick so much. <laughs> he is perfection, and we lost him this season, which I guess they kind of had to, because as I sat and thought about it, I'm like, we've gotten more Stick in this like Marvel shared universe than we ever got of Stick in the actual comics. Yeah, it, it's true, it's true. And he, he had a really good character arc, 
And um, I, I love that, it, like, his reveal is, like, an escape from Alexandra, and he, like, cuts off his own arm That's metal. to get out. That's cool as fuck. That's the coolest thing. Stick is great. Yeah. And, and, he, and he doesn't care about it as like people are like what happened to your arm he's like oh, I had to cut it off yeah, to no escape <laughs> stick is great but tell me were you a little disappointed by this you know in Daredevil season one we see him go back and talk to the members of the chase and we see like stone we see him talking to stone here as we join defenders all the chased are dead which means we'll never get to see stone or shaft or any of those other characters see see I don't think that like someone like stone is dead I think maybe they they fate quote-unquote their death i hope yeah, so. to like hide because they they knew they were outnumbered or something i hope that's a thing i hope they talk about that in season three because shaft and stone and all these other one name chased characters would be perfect for daredevil season three to have them come in and be like look stick is dead we want you to become the new leader of the chase yeah yeah i could definitely see that's probably where it's going to be going kind of do like an inverse of like we want you to be the new leader of the hand Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the hand too we actually get their origin in this uh in this show and it's quite different from the one in the comic here there are five like elders of kunlun who got cast out because they wanted immortality for themselves yeah the five fingers five fingers of the hand i'm like all right that's okay that that makes sense that ties it all together yeah, and I also like that they were all, like, different ethnicities as well. Like, we had Alexandria, we had um, uh, the White Hat guy, oh, and yes. we had that, that Japanese hunter. Murakami, who they make a solid point of saying, because, like, when they said, oh, we're bringing all the members of the hand back together, I'm like, oh, so they're going to bring back the dude Daredevil fought, right, in his show? Oh, oh, no, wait, this guy was his boss, okay? Yeah, yeah, he was just, like, the, the underling. He was just the underling. Oh, but we'll bring Bakudo back, though. <laughs> when I saw him, like, really, really, Bakudo's back? Seriously? What, 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 what's his arc in this? Oh, he's going to have another sword fight with Colleen Wing? They did that in Iron Fist. He lost. He got killed. <laughs> but Bakudo... Ooh, this time he definitely got killed. Oh, yeah, for fucking real he did. I like Bakudo's being an asshole about the whole thing, too, where it's like, aha, before I was testing your limits, Colleen Wing, by letting you murder me in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he he knew he was gonna. He he knew the substance would bring him back. Now I know all your moves, and now I got you. I'm like, do you though, Bakuda? I think you're the worst one of the hand, and I think you're just making it up as you go along. <laughs> you you are the Foggy Nelson of the hand, Bakuda. <laughs> no, I like Foggy. Speaking of which, we actually do get a fair amount of Foggy and Misty and Karen and Trish. All the side characters show up again. They all got pretty decent amount of time. Yeah, which is something you can't even really say for the movies to be like, hey, here's every side character all coming together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, shit, it takes the entire run of the show just for Trish and Karen to say hi to one another. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I imagine they had some blonde woman animosity. No, I'm the blonde woman in this room. No, I'm the blonde woman in this room. <laughs> we can never talk and be friends, but then they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that was their thing. Oh, freaking, freaking poor Misty. Who, Misty is great. Misty was my favorite part of Luke Cage. Uh, she loses her fucking arm, finally. Yeah, and, and they sort of tease, like, her her, her uh, robotic arm at the end with, like, Rand Enterprises owning, like, a, a medical facility or something. Yeah, a cybernetics company. Yeah, that'll be pretty cool. That will be cool to finally see her become super cop Misty Knight with a badass robot arm. 
Yeah. It, it's funny. That scene showed me, too, how different TV show Danny is to comic Danny. Because if that was comic Danny in that situation, he would have been like, Look, Misty, we're going to get you a badass robot arm. I drew a picture with crayons, and it's going to have lasers and everything <laughs> on it. Because that's the thing where it's like, you know, Danny here is very much more Danny as like a world-weary adult where like comic Danny is like the kid of the team no matter where he goes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like how they build him up in season one. The, uh, they they could have done a little bit more comedy stuff mm. with him in season one, but they, they didn't. But they might as well now since he's... It's kind of going to be taking over Daredevil's role, and I imagine will be he, he might be in season two of Luke Cage somehow, maybe. Yeah. Which which totally happened in the comics too. Uh, Iron Fist becoming Daredevil for a little bit. Yeah, in much the same way too to help protect uh, Matt's identity. Yeah, and I and I he might actually get be end up getting his costume in season two. It sort of looks like it's going to be heading that way. I freaking hope so. You know, I, I hate to dogpile on Danny so hard, but I'd be lying if I said he wasn't the weakest part of Defenders for me. Someone said something on Twitter, and I wish I didn't read this, because I swear to God it ruined Danny forever for me. It's someone <laughs> said, you know, one of these days Danny's going to be looking at his hand, he's going to get too surprised, and someone's going to chop his head off. And I'm like, oh my God, he does get surprised every time he turns on the Iron Fist and looks at it for like two seconds. Uh, yeah, I, I, oh god, now now you've made me think about that. See, it's true, where he's just like, oh, oh, and I'm like, Danny, you know you can do that, right? Why do you get surprised every time? <laughs> Whoa, my hand's glowing and shit. <laughs> also, too, whole Defender show, he still never lit up that second Iron Fist, so there's still places for him to go in his show. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised they didn't, like, keep that until the end. Yeah, I kept thinking, it's like, oh, here's the final fight with everyone below the big building. He's going to turn it on now. He's going to turn on the second Iron Fist. Yeah, never did. Didn't didn't happen, though. Also, too, uh, I'm sure you'll notice this, and this con- you know continues to build my theory that even the writers were taking a bit of a shit on Danny. Uh, the big moment with Daredevil, Luke Cage, and Jess all being like, oh, I really feel we're a team now. We need each other. Danny's not even there for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're here. I'm not going to hug you. <laughs> oh, oh, also, the beer scene from the trailer that I loved so much where Jessica Jones just, you know, shotguns a beer. And just yeah. and it's just like, oh, you know, that's that's her character, right? That's alcoholism isn't funny. It's kind of pathetic. It's even better in the show cuz we find out she stole that beer from a homeless guy. <laughs> Jessica, this whole show was really great. She's wonderful. She she continues to be maybe my favorite in just the way she just gives no fuck. She's just over everything. Probably my favorite little segment they had because one of the smart things the show does is that it we see them together as a team, and then you know they break them off into like little side teams to see you know whose character bounces off each other. When Jess and Daredevil team up to solve a mystery, I loved that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. That, that was good. I really like that. I'm like, man, you two have a really great back and forth. And I laugh, too, because we know what a horn dog Matt Murdock is, where it's like, Matt Murdock, I've slept with every woman on this show. Watch out, Jess, I might sleep with you next. <laughs> I'm glad they didn't go there. I'm glad even Matt Murdock kept it in his pants for this show. It's like, no, 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 this, this is important. We're all going to die if I don't. 
Well, he, he's probably grateful he kept it in his pants because Jessica probably would have ripped it off. That too. That's also a thing that happens. Heck, even when they got all the side characters together in the police station, I'm like, uh, Luke Cage had sex with you. He had sex with you. He had sex with you. <laughs> wow, Luke Cage had sex with almost everybody in this room. Good for him. It- He's giving everyone that coffee. He's giving it. He sure as fuck is. Even at the end, they tease that maybe him and Jess grew a little closer, and maybe in the next couple seasons of their show, we could see them come back together. They mention coffee yet again. Yep. How very Grand Theft Auto of them with their hot coffees. <laughs> what? Uh, what? What else did you talk about, Matt? Because I've ranted here for a little bit. What was there anything else to mention? Um. I, I, I liked the villain, Sigourney Weaver's villain. I thought I found her kind of sympathetic in yeah, a little bit. They put a lot of work into her. There's no doubt about that. She's definitely better than any. I would say she's miles better than, uh, what is it, Diamondback from Luke Cage or whoever the fuck the villain was in the Iron Fist show, Meachums, I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's way better than all of them. Yeah, they actually put a lot of work into her. I got a very Highlander vibe off her, where it's like, you know, I've lived thousands of years. Yeah, she's. I said to my roof, she's basically like the best live action Ra's al Ghul we've had. Yeah, she really, she really, really is. She's like, oh, I love this old Turkish food from Constantinople because I remember this. You know, she also too. Uh, they give her something you don't normally see with a villain, and that is a mor- uh, mortality streak to her. She's dying, which is why she wants to turn up the heat on all these plans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like the whole crux of the story. She's dying. That's why everything's sort of accelerated. Mm-hmm. It's also one of those things too, where it's like, wow. So uh, even demon hand magic can only bring you back so many times. Yeah, and for so long, yeah. And for so long before it gives out on you. It's like, man, that's got to suck, knowing you've cheated death so many times, but you can't cheat it the last time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see the thing come to fruition with Elektra and the Black Sky, which, geez, they've been building that up since Daredevil Season 1. Mm, yeah. And hey, hey, uh, her, her ceremonial clothes as the Black Sky are red and look more like her comic costume. Nice touch. Yeah, they, she's got, like, basically the comic costume in her size as well. Yeah, I like that. I'm glad they took it there. I thought that was very good. Although, although man, I kind of had to feel bad for Elodie Young in this, because she doesn't talk for, like, the first seven episodes. No, no, that's true, yeah. They keep her mute when she started talking again. I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is what you sounded like. <laughs> I, I kind of liked your strong, silent type bit. Also, hey, you know, th- that's another thing, despite being a team show... You could feel a fair amount of Daredevil favoritism going on, couldn't you? Right down to the final fight. Well, he he had the most build up with the hand. Like every other every other show did have like the influence of the hand, but his was based around the hand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not complaining. The Daredevil stuff was wicked awesome. I just thought it was funny where it's like, okay, and here's the big final fight of the show, and oh, it's it's all Daredevil. Daredevil's got it all to himself. Huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine, I guess. I can live with that. Uh, it's funny, too. I was not expecting them to kill Sigourney Weaver the way they did and then more or less make Elektra the villain for the last two episodes. That genuinely surprised me. I was thinking, okay, we're going to get her out right to the end because we'd seen earlier on that she knew how to fight and everything. Yeah. So, oh, we're probably going to get, you know, maybe an Iron Fist and her fighting or something mm-hmm. or Daredevil. And then, yeah, she just gets killed off. And I'm like, whoa, that 
that's kind of surprising. Yeah, I was like, please, please don't be a cottonmouth thing all over again where you kill the most interesting villain early on or replace them with another one, but they replaced her with Elektra, which makes sense because Elektra has been the head of the hand, so there you go. Mm-hmm. So to bring her in like that, that's okay. Uh, oh, Gao, we haven't talked about uh, Madame Gao. Continues to be wonderful. Yeah, she was really great. I, I, it's always really great when she, she appears on screen because you know something's about to go down and something really cool is she, about to happen. She got some fight scenes. She continues to, I think, be the har- har- hardest working, most underappreciated aspect of the Marvel Netflix shows because she was in basically every show. Yeah, totally. And and so so was Turk. Turk showed up for a little bit this, ep- right. this season. To do what Turk does, get beaten up for information. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love that. I I was all about that. <laughs> I mean, outside that, I mean, the they actually kind of kept the comic references to a minimum, all things considered. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we fight the hand, but they're more or less new versions of the hand that we've never seen anywhere else. Mm-hmm. They drop some more mentions of Kun Lun and everything. In fact, they even to call they even call into question what we saw in Iron Fist. Yeah, yeah, whether that was real or not. <laughs> in yet another scene of Danny being wrong and people <laughs> shitting on Danny, where it's like, <laughs> you killed Kun Lun, oh, stupid boy, you just thought you saw that. I'm like, really? <laughs> so Danny can't even see right. <laughs> I guess he's just bad at everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think, is there anything else I'm forgetting here? Uh, no, I mean, it was, it, was, it was interesting. You know, they had a lot of stuff going on for it. Uh I, I will say, really, the only parts I didn't like was, sadly, the parts with Iron Fist. I felt that dragged it down a bit, and that's unfortunate because so much of the show is built around him. I'm hoping that as moving forward, as you said, either in Daredevil Season 3 or in Iron Fist Season 2, they can finally do something about him. And I think now they've essentially torn down the walls between the shows and said, hey, don't be shocked if we all just start showing up in each other's series now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's... It looks like it's going to be heading that way. I mean, let's have an Iron Fist show, much like Thor Ragnarok, where it's Thor and Hulk. Let's see Luke hang out with Danny a bunch, and let's see Iron Fist Season 2 maybe be more of a Power Man and Iron Fist show. Yeah, and I, and now that they'll they'll have, have a bit more time as well to do stuff like, uh, like fight choreography, because yeah. the fight choreography in Defenders was really great. Yeah, yeah, there were some really, really great scenes. I mean, the final bit in the tunnels where they fight it out, the bit in the Chinese restaurant, there was some good shit there. Yeah, the bit in the tunnels with the Wu-Tang Clan playing was pretty cool. Yeah, just out of nowhere, because it's funny, like, all the other shows had, like, a very, like, musical and stylistic sensibility to them, you know, obviously, uh, Luke Cage being in Harlem, you had all that, you know, R&B musical act, uh, Daredevil stuff was very, like, church orchestral inspired, uh, Jessica Jones was kind of jazzy and everything. This show didn't really have a musical identity until they started playing Wu-Tang. And I'm like, hey, where was this in all the other episodes? <laughs> I I truly expected, because they played uh, Nirvana in the trailer, I'm like, okay, so is this going to be a lot of Nirvana songs in here? I'm glad they didn't use any of that uh, in the show. I think they used uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night, but like the original version of it, not the Nirvana cover. Yeah, but that was like for a second. Uh, what do you think too of uh, what is it the uh, the the cuts they use? Because they use probably more cuts in this than in anything else because they have more characters. 
Well, like those transitions that were yeah, colored yeah. to the character they were cutting to. I, yeah, yeah. I kind of like. I liked them. I thought they were pretty cool. I like color coded for your convenience, especially as they went out of their way to be like, "Hey, Danny represents green. Matt represents red. Jessica purple, and uh, Luke Cage yellow." Yeah. I thought. Yeah, I thought that was a nice artistic bit there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should have done that. Hmm. So, I mean, any anything else really to say? There's not much else to say on it, because it's just like, yeah, it was Defenders, it was cool. Yeah, it was, it was worth the, what, three, four-year wait? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I dug it. They definitely play well off each other, and I like the idea of now that they have set them up in a universe that they know each other, we can potentially see more crossovers moving forward. Mm-hmm. And it also now opens the door to, like, other characters... Other heroes getting shows That's as well because right. we've already had these guys have a show. We can move on to like phase two. Yeah, whatever that will be. I mean, obviously, Punisher is coming down the pipeline. Yeah. There's characters we've been saying forever who are just too perfect for Marvel Netflix. Moon Knight, just too perfect. Yep. Ghost Rider, if they could ever put him together. Hell, any version of Ghost Rider, be it Johnny Blaze or get freaking Gabriel Luna back. Mm-hmm. They they could just do like like a midnight sun show. Oh yeah, yeah. Freaking Blade again. Much like the Punisher, <clears throat> Blade is way too goddamn perfect for Netflix. How have you not found a project for Blade? Yeah, I imagine they'll probably be doing something with him very soon. Yeah, don't we have like another big Marvel summit coming up soon? Uh, I think so. I think so. I'm well, there's there's normally always one around the corner, isn't there? Yeah. I think now that they can do their little victory lap of like, hey, it's Defenders, you know, what's what's next? What's on the horizon? Mm-hmm. I guess our next big Marvel thing we'll be talking about in September is Inhumans, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, that's going to be very interesting because, like, I know it's not coming to theaters here, or at oh, least isn't it? it hasn't, hasn't like, appeared in, like, any of the coming soon uh, parts of the websites that I go to and everything. Uh, so I'm kind of intrigued of how i'm gonna end up watching it yeah fuck now that you've mentioned it if, if australia's getting screwed out of an inhuman release canada's probably getting screwed over with an inhumans release too yeah well i there was news just recently that apparently imax is letting theaters choose whether they run or run it run the first two episodes for the full two weeks mm. or, or whether like end it early and i'm like yeah that kind of makes sense of so business wise why have you know, as a cinema that's not full compared to one Aww. that could be half full or full, you know, that makes kind of sense. But, yeah, it's kind of weird how they're sort of half-arsing it, basically. Well, it's because this is the first time they're ever doing anything like this is why. There's a lot of bugs and kinks they still got to work out of it, and this is clearly something that even I didn't consider until you just mentioned it. Yeah, but it's, it's like Marvel. They should kind of know how to work stuff like that out. Like, uh goddamn jeff Loeb didn't even know what pricing would be for the sh- oh, for the Jesus. two episodes <laughs> that's not what i want to hear like i try and stay positive on inhumans i try and say like no i'll see it and judge for myself but you don't want to hear that i especially from like the guy who's kind of like running everything it's like fuck jeff Loeb. if you don't know nobody knows <laughs> uh so i guess on that note we can start winding down the show uh, any projects coming up matt that you want to talk about uh, no, not really. You can go check out my Defenders review over on my uh, channel, Fortress of Solitude, if you haven't already. I also just put up my uh, review of Batman and Harley Quinn. Yeah. You can I, check out. I think this show will count as my review for both of those things. <laughs> I was I was going to do them, but then I looked at my calendar and I'm like, fuck, I got a family reunion and fan expo at the end of the month. Yeah, that ain't happening. 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really busy, everyone. But yeah, hey, Fan Expo at the end of the month, uh, Metro Toronto Convention Center. If you're in the area, please come out and say hi. Would uh, would love to meet some fans out there. I'm gonna actually try and be on the social medias this year and try and work together an actual real meetup. Cool. So that would definitely be good. Uh, also, hey, uh, thank you, uh, Dominique Jones, who became a new patron today. Awesome. Yeah, as always, uh, if you are a patron, and I know many people are, you will get to listen to this video first before anyone else. I usually upload it midnight sometime on Sunday. Everyone else, of course, gets it Wednesday uh, around mm-hmm. uh, around 8 a.m. And, uh, hey, you know, if you're looking to buy some cheap trades and to help me and Matt in the show at the same time, maybe you don't want to be a patron, maybe you can't afford it every month, I have a book depository link down in the description. It works a lot like those Amazon links. So, you know, the next time you're looking for a comic trade to buy, use that one. Maybe save it. I don't know. Maybe keep it handy. You know, maybe uh, maybe you help me and Matt keep the show going, eh? You know, just maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I've got a, I've got a link as well over on my page They're really on all... On any of my videos, you can find the link there. They're helpful to us, but they're helpful to us. But here's the thing: they don't tell you when you sign up for them. You need to reach a hundred dollar threshold before they actually give you the money. Ah, <laughs> go buy trades, people. Yeah. They're really cheap. They, they are, man. Book deposit, like, like no shit. Like, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't shell out for this if I didn't genuinely love it and I didn't genuinely use it myself. Book depository is the go-to. They don't pay you, or they don't uh, charge you for shipping and handling. I know. Anywhere in the world, it's free shipping, which is a godsend for here in Australia. Oh, God. And for Canada, too, man. Let me tell you about it. It's, it's a goddamn must. So with that, everyone, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. As always, we will be back again next week. We will be back. Yes, yes, we will. It's just Matt and I might be recording on a different day. So if you're a patron, you might be getting a special episode early. Maybe, yeah. Is what might be happening. And also, if you want to download the show and carry it around with you everywhere you go, you can go over to SoundCloud and find it. Yes, SoundCloud made it out of that shaky week there. Apparently, there's still a company, and as such, the show will still be put up there. Ooh, lucky. Yeah, yeah, lucky. I was scared there for a second because they charged me the 16 bucks for the week. We talked about this uh, on the Guardians review, and it's like, oh, fuck, you know, here's hoping, man. Here's hoping they took my money. Yeah, that's what saved them. <laughs> that's what saved them, everyone. My $16 was what SoundCloud needed to stay concrete <laughs> and stay a company. Also, for everyone who listened to our Guardians of the Galaxy uh, commentary and uh, was sure to mention a bunch of possible Marvel alien race porn parodies, thank you. Those were all hilarious. If I had remembered that, I would have talked about these at the top of the show and not at the end. Oh well. <laughs> let's let's let, let's put uh let's put a pin in that and let's actually read those because there were some goddamn funny ones. Uh, we'll do that next show. <laughs> we'll do that next show, everyone. There was some funny shit on that one. So with that, everyone, as always, thank you so much for listening. I've been Joel. I'm Matt, and we will see you all next time. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs>